Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time to get inside the Giants home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to the Giants little podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. I'm John Schmelk. You won't hear me on any of the interviews this week. Uh, As you might or might not have heard, I came down with a minor case of pneumonia this week. Good times. So Paul Dettino was happy to pinch it for me on the player interview. He talked to Giants defensive back and special teamer Nick McLeod, who's had an increased role the last couple of weeks, including a couple uh, big takeaways last week against the Commanders. Lance Meadow has your Patriots preview with Mike Reese, who covers the team for ESPN's NFL Nation. And then Bob Papa, as always, has his weekly conversation with head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. Let's start with our player interview, Paul Dettino with Nick McLeod. We are joined by Nick McLeod, who came up with his first pro interception last week for the Giants against Washington. Also had a forced fumble as well. I don't want to leave that out because uh, we know special teams are a big deal for you. But <laughs> how, how did the pick feel? I mean, you've been playing enough defensive back for the Giants over the course of the two years since you've been here. So I know you were probably itching to get one. Uh, definitely. Um, and like i just been telling everybody, I just want to thank God for the opportunity that I get to go out there. When I do get to go out there on defense, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, I want to play more on defense, but that's not always up to me. So just thank God for the opportunity. And then just on the pick, just going out there and just trying to make a play, help the team win. So I'm glad I got to come down with it. I know I've, I've dropped a few, so I'm glad I could I could come down with that one right there. They say that sometimes turnovers like sacks can be infectious and they'll come in bunches. They certainly seem to be coming to this team over the course of the last few weeks. Is there something noticeably different about why you guys are getting them? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I just think we're putting a a, a better emphasis on going for the ball more, you know what I'm saying? Um, And you can see that on how we tackle. We're we're punching at the ball, we're tackling. We're attacking the ball when it's in the air. So just just some more emphasis on going for the ball so we can – you know what I'm saying, generate points however we can, whether we got to do it or help the offense get um, good field position, we're going to try to do that from here on out. Now, it's always fair to say, though, that if you play more man-to-man, it's harder to get interceptions because you're playing the man as opposed to the mm-hmm. ball. And I understand that, too. Mm-hmm. So how much does that kind of enter the equation when you guys want more takeaways, but earlier in the season mm-hmm. you weren't getting them, but you're playing man? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's always tough because, like you said, whenever you're playing man-to-man, your job is to defend a man. And, and if you can get the ball from there, then that's going to be a plus. But I think what we've been doing the last couple of weeks on defense definitely helped us generate more turnovers in terms of eyes on the court back breaking on the ball so um it's going real good for us so hopefully we can keep that up all right let me ask you a little bit more about the defensive back stuff before we go to special teams mm-hmm. you've played on the boundary you've played some slot mm-hmm. here they even had you during the early part of this year uh back in the spring they wanted you at safety mm-hmm. during practice and so forth mm-hmm. 
Where where are you most comfortable? Because you have been productive every time they put mm-hmm. you in the lineup. Um, just me personally, I'm most comfortable at corner just because that's what I've been playing since I was seven, eight, nine years old. You know what I'm saying? Just, that's the first position that I that I said I was gonna gonna play. Um, but like, but like we were saying earlier, just with my size, and my athleticism, and, and just my know-how, um, my film study and everything, I, I feel comfortable at really any position, corner, nickel, safety. So just going out there and whatever way I can to get on the field on defense, whatever is asked of me, that's what I'm going to do. But to answer your question, I'm definitely most comfortable at corner probably. Well, they do say the more you can do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. certainly you are proof positive of mm-hmm. that because the Giants went out of their way to make sure they got you mm-hmm. when you were waived by Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely because, like like you said, they went out of their way because I was with the staff when, when the staff was in Buffalo. So they knew I had a lot of versatility with me and then just – that camp before I got here, the, the Bills they was they had me playing a lot of safety, so that I feel like that also helped my transition of me just being able to do a little bit of everything, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but just anything with reps with anything helps anything. So even playing a little bit of safety in the preseason that helped me with just my versatility part of just going out there and do anything they ask of me. Let me ask you about special teams now because that is obviously where you've made the biggest mark in terms of publicity-wise. Last two years you've been here with the Giants. You've been one of the leaders on special teams. You're always the guy first in the picture. You're always down there to either down the ball or force a fair catch or watch it go out of bounds. Uh, you've also been part of fumble recoveries and forced fumbles. You've done everything you can do on specials. What do you enjoy most about playing that role? Um... I mean, I just feel like it's a mindset. Just uh, special teams is a mindset kind of thing. And just for me personally, um, I just want to always win my one-on-one and, and help the team. So whether that's at Gunner, whether that's on kickoff or whatever, most of the time it's going to be a one-on-one matchup unless it's sort of like I've been getting the last couple of weeks with device um, on point. It's always going to be a one-on-one matchup. So just me going out there with a dog mentality and just – doing whatever I can to help the team win. So I just feel like, like I was saying earlier, it's just a mindset thing. Yeah. I don't want to cheat you because you had a part block kick against Jacksonville last yeah. year too, so I left that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, just going out there and making plays, man, that's how that's, that's what's going to pop off on the screen. That's what people going to remember, and that's what, that's what helps the team win. You know what I'm saying? Just making any kind of play that you can on Sunday, so. Jamie Gillen's having a heck of a year punting the ball this year, much better than he's ever had in his career. But I always say that a big part of that are the Gunners because you guys got to work hand in hand. Uh, the Giants this year, I want to look at this number now. I, I saw this 5.3-yard punt return average for the opposition, third lowest in the National Football League. That's got to be something you guys in that special team are real proud of. Man, I mean, I feel like we lose a lot of translation and stuff like that because we're always so worried about – what we can do better and focusing on the next opponent. But that that is a crazy stat, and that's just a testament to, like you said, just Jamie putting the ball great, um, Darnay going down there, um, making plays. He's been coming on the last couple of weeks. Cam Brown, a lot of big hits. Carter, you know what I'm saying? Just the whole – the unit as a whole. Isaiah Simmons out there making plays. Mm-hmm. So just the whole unit, uh, just – taking pride and just going out there and doing our job at a high level. What is the the teamwork or the level of communication between you and the punter mm-hmm. when when you execute a play like that mm-hmm. that stops a team deep in their own territory? Mm-hmm. Because it's unseen by the public. I don't think they mm-hmm. understand it. Um, like you said, they don't understand how big it is in the game, you know what I'm saying, on a possession-to-possession basis in terms of field position. But just – us knowing that he's going to do his job at elite level and he's knowing that we're going to do our job in terms of gunner play at elite level, 
I feel like that's the biggest thing that's that's been helping us win this year. You know, well, win on that unit this year. So, and so many people don't seem to understand it is a third of the game, mm-hmm. and even a ten-yard punt return is like a first down for the offense. Exactly, exactly. So, like you said, just with that right there, and with the returners that we played, that's a, that is a great number. If you ask me, just um, with the caliber, like I said, caliber returners that we played, and just the teams we played, that's that's huge. Like five yards to field position, that's huge in terms of. Uh, the defense playing well, you know what I'm saying, putting the defense on the short field so they can go out there. We can go out there and get a stop on D and then get the offensive ball, the short back or ball, get the offensive ball back on the short field. So that all mm-hmm. goes into everything, you know what I'm saying? So Earlier this year, Taiwan Jones came in, mm-hmm. former special teams ace with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I know you know him from there. And I remember during the preseason when you weren't playing because you were banged up, mm-hmm. and I was worried about what I was seeing on special teams. Taiwan comes in, and I said to him, you're a hired gun. You're going to show the rest of these guys how it's done. And he said to me, Nick McLeod knows how it's done. Mm-hmm. He and I have been talking. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about the influence that he had on you and the special teams unit, even though he was only here for a short time? Man, I just – what I tell people all the time, when it comes to, like, special teams and just carving out a role for yourself, kind of like how I did when I first got here – I think Taiwan Jones and Saran Neal, like, I owe those guys everything when it comes to that right there. Just watching them work and watching how they carved themselves, like, a role with the Bills and in the, in the NFL, just how they came to work every day and how they approached the special teams with not so much of a, a downward mindset, but just going out there and doing your job at the elite level. I just always thank Taiwan and Saran for everything every time I get to talk to them, so. Yeah. What What is the philosophy or the mentality or the approach that a good special teams player has to have in order to become successful? Um, you just got to have a dog mentality. Like whether they put one, two, three people on you, you just got to you got to know that you're going to go out there and make the play. Like obviously you're going to you, you're playing with 10 other guys on the field. So obviously you're not going to make the play by yourself or you want to make the play by yourself every time. But when it comes to your job, you have to do it with a high motor. Um, relentless, and you just can't you can't be stopped on that play. So, let me ask you about the Patriots because Bill Belichick is known as a head coach who emphasizes special teams and often gets his hands dirty mm-hmm. on special teams. Mm-hmm. What do you see in the Patriots special teams unit that will be the biggest challenge for you? Man, they got a they got an all star group of special team guys over there. Um, I, we all know Slater has been the probably twenty Pro Bowls for the for special teams. Um, Forty one schooler, he's been playing amazing this year. He um, blocked the blocked the field goal or a point one mm-hmm. of the two. Um, been playing amazing at Gunner, so just just trying to come in with the same kind of mindset that they gonna come in with in terms of being ready to go and being aggressive on special teams this week. So, and of course, you know when two teams are gonna scrap like this team, will special teams could wind up being the difference in a win or loss. Yeah, definitely. And like I was talking about earlier, like you never know how how different five to ten to fifteen yards can be on a punt return going our way or going their way. So. It's just making sure we're on top of every single play um, and just going out there and winning, winning our matchups, whether that's me, whether that's, like I said, Darnay or anybody else on the special teams unit this week. Final thought. So many people look at this team and they say, okay, you've got a rough record. It's been a rough season in a lot of ways. But where's the heart? Where's the mentality? Where's the emotion of the Giants team? Well, I think you don't have to look any further than special teams to see that this team is still very hungry. Yeah, definitely. Um and as you seen last week, defense and special teams before six turnovers. So, just being a part of the defense and being a part of the special teams unit, like we really can't worry about the outside noise too much. We just got to go out there and do our job at a high level. So.
Nick McLeod, good to talk to you. Wish you the best of luck. Thanks for your time. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens, so go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? The Giants Huddle Podcast is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. From game day to every day, Citizens is made ready for Giant fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com. We thank Paul and Nick. Now let's turn our attention to this week's opponent, Lance Meadow, with Mike Reese from ESPN on the New England Patriots. The Giants and Patriots meet for the first time since 2019 when they collide at MetLife Stadium on Sunday to help break down the Pats. We're now joined by a man who covers the team for ESPN, NFL Nation reporter, Mike Reese. Mike, you got Lance Meadow here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Always good to catch up with you. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything's great, Lance. It's a great week. You know, it's always a great week with football season, but particularly this week. It's one of my favorites when you combine the the football the family, the food, sort of my three favorite Fs right there. And we'll see whether or not we actually get a good product on the field on Sunday. Given both of these teams, it's been a long way since 2011 when they last met in the Super Bowl. And it's been a long time since we haven't seen Tom Brady or Eli Manning under center. And that's where I want to start with respect to the Patriots starting quarterback. That seems to be the biggest question. Mac Jones has started every game. But he hasn't finished three of them, and we saw Bailey Zappi replace him in Germany. As it stands right now, as we're recording this on a Wednesday, how would you best assess what the situation is in terms of who will be under center? So you won't be surprised to learn that Bill Belichick is not announcing his starting quarterback, right? Slaughter, <laughs> um, yes. Uh, he, uh, he told the players, as he told reporters, everyone's got to be ready to go. And so I, I would focus big picture on just how he decided to approach this week, right? Like, and contrast that to probably what most teams do, like the Jets this week, as an example. Hey, making the change from Zach Wilson, going, you know, to the backup, and everyone knows and they rally around the backup, right? Um, not like the case here in New England. I think Bill Belichick, the way he did it with his staff, the way he did it with his players, and in turn the media is. I'm not ready to make a call right now. So everyone be ready to go. I want to see how the week of practice goes. And at the end of the week, I'll let you know who it's going to be. And he told us reporters, you know, we'll let you know on Sunday. So he might take it all the way to, down to the morning of the game, you know, with, with whether it's media, players. But I will tell you, Lance Mack took the first snaps in practice, followed by Bailey Zappi. So it's probably Mack or Zappi. And based on the what we know right now, I, to me, it's leaning toward Mac without knowing how the practices have unfolded. Mike, from a big picture perspective, all of this movement under center, how do you think this is impacting the team overall? And I would throw in even the guys on the defensive side of the ball who obviously want to play complementary football and sometimes have had to clean up what has been a lot of turnovers over the course of this season on the offensive side. It's affecting the team a lot. You know, I mean, shaky quarterback play is hard to overcome. It can bring the whole team down. And I'd say there was two games in week four and five of the season that Max mistakes really sunk the team. You know, it was the first time in, in my time covering Mac that I could really point to it and say he was the reason, you know, the team didn't have a chance to win and got blown out in both games. Turnovers returned for touchdowns. 
twice against the Cowboys, once early against the Saints to sort of have that linger over the next week. But I think the other point I would make, Lance, is as tough as the quarterback spot has been for the Patriots, their overall offense, like it would be scapegoating one player if you just talked quarterback. Like their pass blocking has been as poor as I've seen in in my time, you know, covering the team, which is almost 25 years now, you know. So you can't pass block. It's hard to do anything, you know, and that's why they rank 31st in the league, averaging 14.1 points per game. I mean, it's just hard to win games. And they're past catchers, Lance. Like, they don't consistently create, you know, open windows to throw. And I know it's the NFL. Like, not they're not going to be the mo- the biggest open windows. But I would say it's a more underwhelming group of pass catchers when you compare it to most teams around the league. Well, I think that's an excellent point. And I want to expand on that, Mike, because Kendrick Bourne, who probably was their best guy, unfortunately, out with a torn ACL in week eight, and they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Demario Douglas has shown some flashes, their sixth-round pick. But who do they need to maybe step up more than what has come to fruition this season? Or would you say the group overall has been a big disappointment where everybody has played below expectations? I'd say outside of Pop Douglas, Demario Douglas, who you mentioned, um, I'd say the group has been under, and Kendrick Bourne, who's, like you mentioned, the injury, say everyone else has been under expectation. You know, Juju coming over from the the Chiefs, you know, they probably should have just kept Jacoby Myers, you know, who was their leading receiver. They basically swapped um, Juju in for him, and that hasn't worked out. Devontae Parker, they gave a contract extension to in the offseason. And that's been underwhelming, you know, his production there. Um, Tyquan Thornton, a second-round pick last year out of Baylor, real fast guy who they traded up for, 50th overall. You know, you you make that move, you're hoping for a second-year jump. It's non-factor, Lance, you know, at receiver, in part due to injuries. So that's the receiver spot. Um, tight ends, I would say, probably a, a little more. I'd be a little kinder to them. Hunter Henry has been pretty solid at tight end. Mike Gusecki hasn't really been I mean he's basically like another receiver and part of that said his role has fluctuated he's not always on the field um and Farrell Brown their third tight end has probably been one of their bright spots which probably tells you all you need to know I think that definitely puts things in perspective plus I think there was a lot of talk Mike Kosicki disappeared in his later years in Miami maybe a bigger opportunity here but to your point that hasn't necessarily developed you brought up the pass protection, and I remember I had you on in the offseason, and we were talking about what the stage is going to be like for the Patriots and how the offensive line was going to be a big talking point, specifically Trent Brown at left tackle. So here we go, Mike. A few months later, he's missed the last two games. He did not travel to Germany. I believe things got a little bit heated with the media over the last few days where he wasn't happy with the reports about him being late to meetings consistently, and he's dealing with injuries how much has perhaps the struggles up front that you were referring to, not to put it on one guy, but you think about the anchor of the line and the veteran, I would say it's fair to point to Trent Brown is front and center with respect to that label. So Trent Lance was actually playing really well prior to his injury, you know, like, and, and it he was being cited by coaches as helping the young guys, you know, in the room and, and sort of being more of a leader. That situation has turned, you know, since his injury and missing time. 
it, I will tell you though, the ineptitude that I've seen, it, it goes beyond him. It's like injuries, illnesses, um, youth. Like it's just, they just haven't been able to get a group together. They've played seven offensive line configurations in their 10 games. So start with that. But even that, Lance, like, let's say they went with one configuration. I'm not sure it would be good enough, you know? And I guess I'd go big picture because there's so many things to talk about with offensive line because you got five guys. And, like, I think when you bring in a new offensive system like they did Bill O'Brien coming in, the second most important hire, in my view, is the offensive line coach and how you marry up your offensive system with your blocking schemes. And they hired Adrian Clem, who had been with the Steelers and with University of Oregon, and he's not with the team right now due to an illness. So that whole, what you're hoping came together, Bill O'Brien, Adrian Clem coming together, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, with whatever talent they assembled, it's sort of been interrupted, you know, with this health issue. And to me, it's shown at times on the field. And even then I would question like, is the talent at the level, you know, that they that they need up front across the board. We're talking about Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots for ESPN, NFL Nation reporter. We set the stage for the Giants and the Patriots MetLife Stadium on Sunday. I'm sure a lot of Giants fans listening, Mike, hear your breakdown of the Patriots offensive line, and they're saying, well, we can relate to that in Giants land, given they just went through two straight games where they actually had the same configuration on the offensive line. So just goes to show you, a lot of similarities, at least on paper, with both of these teams. You brought up Bill O'Brien and how the play caller, aside from the O-line coach, is so critical to get as much as possible out of the quarterback. Is it fair then to say, Mike, because Bill has had a really good track record working with quarterbacks throughout his career, even if you go back to the collegiate level, and there was some carryover between Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien, is the reason why maybe he hasn't had the level of impact because of the environment that we're talking about, Mike? Or is there a bit of a disconnect between the play caller and the young quarterback? Great question, Lance. I don't see a disconnect between Bill O'Brien and Mac. I think there's a good synergy between them and, and, and a good chemistry between them. I don't know if you saw the last game they played in Germany. Bill O'Brien was lighting into Mac on the sure. sideline, you know? And I think Mac accepts it that type of coaching, you know, from Bill O'Brien. Um, I think he believes in Bill O'Brien. Um, I, I truly believe, and I've thought a lot about this because I'm really surprised at the lack of production from the offense because I really thought it would be better this year with Bill O'Brien. I think it comes back to personnel. I just don't, and look, Matt can play better. Like there's some throws he's made where you scratch your head. I just, I don't think they've, they've done a great job putting him in the best position to succeed. You know, offensive line issues, skill position players, you know, not ranking highly in the league. I think they've made it harder on him. And I think it's more about the personnel to me, Lance, than the scheme, just based on what I've seen. Mike, on the topic of personnel, one other facet of the offense I want to touch on is the run game. They brought in Ezekiel Elliott. Ramondre Stevenson has had some big plays, specifically the long touchdown run against Washington. And the last two games, it does seem as if the run game has been fairly productive. How fair of a synopsis is that part one? And part two, do you see them maybe in this matchup against the Giants leaning a little bit more on that to try to offset some of the struggles they're having through the air? 
That's exactly what I see. And I, I, I think the Giants have shown some vulnerability against the run. So when yeah. you match that up, um, it would make a lot of sense to me that the Patriots would like to try to get the run game going. It has been better. I think that the challenge, as I see it, is the Giants obviously going to know that. So they're going to, I would think they're going to put more resources to stopping the run and making the Patriots pass the ball, you know? And so I don't, you know, something's got to give there. I actually think that's sort of the game within the game, Lance, as I see it. And with Wink Martindale and some of those blitz schemes, you know, if you can force the Patriots into passing situations based on what we've seen from their pass protection, I think advantage Giants, if you can get to that point in the game, right, where you've put them in those situations. Mike, I'm glad you touched on the game of chess, essentially, between the defensive coordinators and the young quarterbacks, because as you well know, Bill Belichick has a ridiculous track record against rookie quarterbacks. And here we go, Tommy DeVito, an undrafted rookie, small sample size. As you documented off the top, you've been covering the Patriots for a long time. I know maybe it's stating the obvious because Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization have been so crafty, so consistent. But why has he and his staff been so good and consistent, regardless of the personnel, against these young, unproven quarterbacks? So they, they're able to spin the dial and show them things that maybe they think they see, but then it's something else. So I think that's a big part of it. I also push back on it a little bit, Lance. Like if I'm the Giants and and you might hear that, right? Oh, Belichick and his history against young quarterbacks. It's got a pretty good history, but the recent history, just three weeks ago, I'd pull up the tape of Sam Howell throwing for 330, you know, or whatever it was against him, right? And so to me, it's like not inaccurate to say Belichick has a great history against young quarterbacks, but this season, I think it's like wipe the slate clean. Like, I think there's opportunity for a young quarterback like DeVito to put up big numbers because I just saw Sam Howell do it. You know, they gave up in that game against Washington, they gave up six pass plays of 20 yards or more. So if I'm the Giants, Lance, I'm like, let me test him. Like, there's no Matthew Judon out there on defense. He's injured. There's no Christian Gonzalez, who was the AFC Rookie of the Month, or the, might have even been NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month, um, now that I think of it, in September. But he's injured. So they, they're down some personnel. And I think they've shown a vulnerability at times um, this season, whether it's been a young quarterback or even an older quarterback. And coincidentally, the Giants are coming off one of their best offensive performances against a commander's defense that seems to have similar issues. Now, I'm glad you brought up, Mike, Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez. It's been about a month and a half, just about, since they've lost both of those players. Now, I'm not downgrading them. Matt Judon, one of the best pass rushers. As you mentioned, Christian Gonzalez, there's a reason why he was taken where he was and seemed to be a promising weapon on the back end. But once again, several weeks have gone by. Why have they still struggled on the defensive side of the ball? And the numbers are not terrible, but I guess track record-wise for Bill Belichick's defenses, they are pretty much lower on the barometer in comparison to what we're used to seeing. So I think part of it, Lance, is they haven't been complimented by the offense and special teams. They've been put in some tough spots. Sure. I believe time of possession-wise, take out this last game, I mean, they might be possessing the ball offensively, lower than anyone in the league. I might be 27 minutes, you know, um, whatever it is. So I, I start with that. And then I think a little bit of 
the big play had hurt him at times, you know, given we mentioned that against Washington. Um, and, and I think cornerback has been, has been a problem for them. Gonzalez goes out, they trade for JC Jackson. They had Jack Jones who they released. I think the, the coverage hasn't always sunk up with the pass rush, which to me is always what the mark of a good defense when you can marry those two together. Sometimes you watch and they're running behind the quarterback. So it gives the, an escape lane for a quarterback to keep the play alive. Right. And then force your secondary to cover longer. And then other times you actually see a good pass rush and the coverage isn't tight enough. Right. And so they just consistently haven't been able to, to piece it together. Well, your point is well taken. Six interceptions. That's on the low side. Third fewest sacks in the NFL with 18. It's hard to be opportunistic. It's hard to change field position and a turnover differential, Mike, of minus six. And that goes back to what we talked about, the offense putting the defense in a precarious spot. But with all that being said, looking ahead to this matchup against the Giants, I'm always interested if you're Bill Belichick, what you think he's going to say, okay, we need to take away. Because you got a young, unproven quarterback in Tommy DeVito, much like the Patriots receiving weapons. I would say the Giants receiving weapons have been relatively quiet. Mike, in your mind, is this a Saquon Barkley game? Is this Bill saying, hey, we put all our resources in Saquon and let's see if Tommy can beat us? Or do you see him going in a different direction? I think that's exactly what I would say. You know, take the run away as best as you can. That's one of their best assets. Um, and see what the young quarterback, can he hang in and make some of the throws, you know, because there might be some opportunities for turnovers. That minus six differential, it's such a great point that you bring up, Lance. I believe, I'd have to double check it, but I believe it's been 17 straight years that they've finished a season in the plus on the turnover on the turnover differential. So this is so uncharacteristic of them to be in the minus this late in the season. So to me, they've been fairly decent against the run. Like this last game against the Colts, like Jonathan Taylor, he did have a touchdown run where they lost contain on the edge. But overall, I thought the run defense, that's probably been their strength this year outside of a few blips. So to me, that makes a lot of sense to think they'll invest their resources in that area. And they're allowing under 100 yards per game, which is pretty respectable when you look at the NFL trends. You brought up turnover differential. It's interesting, Mike, because the Giants were in the minus, but they had six takeaways in the last game. So now all of a sudden they're in the plus. So, I mean, it could take one game and all of a sudden it could flip the script based on that. Before I let you go, and I think you brought up a great point, because even here in the Giants media, the focus is always on the quarterback. But there are so many other facets that come into play. And you can look at Mac Jones on an island, but you could point to other areas of concern. With that being said, I look at the two wins for the Patriots, Mike, and maybe it's not a coincidence that Mac Jones did not throw an interception in both of those wins, as I see you responding to that. So moving ahead here to this game, if the Patriots can win the turnover battle, do you think that doors up? some of the other issues that have been prevalent that we've been talking about for the most part this season. Normally, Lance, I would bang the table and say absolutely, because it used to be a slam dunk, win the turnover margin, they're going to win the game. But this year, Washington, and we'll check myself on this, Indianapolis, oh no, Washington and Miami, they, or it was first Miami, then Washington, they won the turnover battle, but lost the game. 
And I go back and say, well, how did that happen? Why did that happen? They gave up these big plays, right? So it's like they fix one problem in those these games where they were plus in the turnover differential, then another problem popped up. So it will improve their chances to win if they can be plus in the turnover differential. But based on what I've seen this year, I can't I can't sit here and tell you that's it. You know what I mean? Like that, that that'll definitely lead to win because they have shown that they can do that. Even in games where they've turned it over, they've created some turnovers. Hasn't been enough. You know, got to be better in the red zone in those games. Got to not give up big plays in those games. Sometimes, you know, and they, Bill O'Brien keeps saying, it comes down to three, four, five plays, and they just haven't made those plays consistently enough. Mike, as a quick follow-up, and I'm gracious of your time and your insight because you got me thinking, the Giants and the Patriots, we're talking about the two lowest-scoring offenses in the NFL. They have both struggled to simply score 20 points. I believe the Patriots have only done it once against Buffalo. The Giants have only done it twice. What happened in that Bills game? They scored 29. That was the outlier that has not been duplicated since. They came through in the clutch land. It was it was a final drive where they, they're trailing and they had the ball and they had a chance to win the game. And they actually made the plays. They strung the plays together to win it. And it was like, so we've seen like glimpses and flashes of that, but just not consistently enough. But really that game came down to couple throws that Mac had to make or a couple blocks, you know, and they, they made them in the critical situation. I thought the defensive scheme aided their ability to do that. Buffalo to me plays a little bit of a simpler style of defense for down linemen, you know, two dick, two safeties back in general. That's what they sort of saw or they felt like they were seeing. So to me, all those factors combined sort of contributed to that difference that day. So it comes back to maybe Bill O'Brien had something there in terms of three or four plays, which they had come to fruition late in the game against Buffalo as the Bills scored late and then the Patriots retook the lead. And who knows, maybe we'll have a dramatic finish. I will tell you this, though, no matter who the quarterback is for the first time since 1999, we're not going to have Tom Brady or Eli Manning under center. So it's going to be a new chapter to this Giants-Patriots rivalry as he is Mike Reese, who covers the team for ESPN, their NFL Nation reporter. Mike, it's always great catching up with you. Greatly appreciate the time of the inside and look forward to Sunday's game. Always, Lance. Thanks for having me. You got it. My pleasure. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? Giant fans love a winner. It's why they love Citizens, named a 2022 Best Bank in the U.S. by The Banker. As the official bank of the Giants and sponsor of the huddle, Citizens is made ready for fans of Big Blue. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Now let's turn to the weekly conversation as we thank Lance and Mike for that great insight. Bob Papa, the voice of the Giants, every week has a chance to catch up with head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. Here's their chat leading up to Giants and Patriots, a team that obviously Brian Dable has a lot of history with. The Giants take on the New England Patriots, along with the head coach of the New York Giants, Brian Dable. I'm Bob Papa, and uh, coach, your team coming off a win last week against the Commanders. Uh, Washington, uh, the, the Patriots are coming in off a bye from last week. I know that they've struggled, but you've been in that building. You understand Coach Belichick with a, a week off. Um, you got to figure he's been in the lab, so to speak. C can you make 
various changes or, or a lot of changes after 10 games of your season to be that different and things that you might not expect from them this week? Um, I mean, you can make some changes, but usually after 10 weeks, uh, you have a good feel for, for the team they have for you. But they're a game plan team, so what you get one week is, is really different than the next week. Um, and that's really been the case there for a long time. So uh, you have to see how the first quarter plays out, see how they want to play you both offensively and defensively, then also in the kicking game and, and make necessary adjustments. One of the things that you know everybody knows is he looks to try to eliminate who the best player is on the opposing team when it comes to attacking an offense. And obviously Saquon Barkley has been absolutely spectacular for you this year. Um, when you're going into a game sort of like this and you know that this is what he wants to do, um, it's, it's, it's too simplistic to say, well, then we're going to just go to a lot of other places. Isn't it sort of a thing where, hey, we still got to get our guy the ball and let's see if they can stop him? Yeah, I mean, that's – you know, I got a lot of respect for for Coach Belichick, but that's pretty much every team we play. Um, they they, you know, pinpoint twenty six as a player, and um, you know we have to, you know, we do a good job of trying to get him the ball and various things. But then if you know you have to use other players and, and use him as a, you know, decoy so to speak, you do that as well. But um, you know, you're always trying to look for ways to get your players involved uh, that are productive players for you. Can you talk about coaching sort of discipline or, or uh, I'm trying to find the right word, but like last week in the first half of the game, Washington did a good job against your entire run game and especially against Saquon. But to, to sort of have the courage or the uh, discipline to stick with it because once, you know, he popped one, it just kind of opened everything up, but to not get away from it despite not having success with it. Yeah, I think the most important thing is when you're – on the sideline, you're figuring out, you know, why this play happened. You know, it could be one player out of the 10 other players that just, you know, whether he didn't get his block or we missed an assignment, whatever it may be, um, you're figuring out why that happened. Um, you know, the run game in this league is, is never easy. It's, it's dirty most of the time. And, um, you know, that's something that, you know, we value our run game. And, you know, after four or five plays, sometimes it does as a play caller get hard to say, let's, let's throw it back in there. But that's, you know, that's not our mentality. You know, we got to try to do a good job of controlling the line of scrimmage. That helps a lot of other things. You know, you mentioned the line of scrimmage, Coach. Um, I know it's been a journey this year as far as the offensive line with a lot of guys getting hurt and all these different combinations. Um, but they kind of hung together. And, you know, in big spots last week, they made plays for you as far as protection. They allowed Dan, uh, Tommy DeVito to make the passes that he needed to make. Can you just talk about sort of the uh, mental toughness that they've shown this year despite all of the issues that you guys have had to deal with? Yeah, as you mentioned, there's been a, you know, there's been a lot of different guys in there. Um, you know, continuity is, is tough to come by. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've had the same group. Uh, that's, a, that's a good group in terms of how they prepare. They've, they spend a lot of time here on extra meetings and, and working together. The, you know, the offensive line, you need five players and, and more times – you know, six, possibly seven, just all on the same page to operate a successful play, whether that's a protection or a run game. So a bunch of professionals, some a little bit older, some younger, uh, but they're, they're a good group. Coach, um, this has been an interesting journey here with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Not, not a lot of teams, you know, get down to your third quarterback that's on your roster, but he was able to get a win last week and play a clean, efficient game. Obviously, there's a lot of areas for improvement, but – as you've worked with him within the building this week and the coaches, 
Talk a little bit about sort of the development that you've seen in his game and, and his mental awareness as well of playing in NFL games. Yeah, I'd say just, you know, what's important for us that dates all the way back to OTAs with our young players, um, obviously in this case a third-string quarterback that ended up being on a practice squad. The, you know, the extra meeting times, the, the ability to, you know, keep improving mentally, um, even physically during times during practice where he's kind of moved off to the side with another coach. Uh, but, you know, the development process of young players is, is important in this league certainly at that position. So he's, he's done a good job. He's been consistent um, with his approach. Um, I think he's had some good veterans in his room to learn from. I think Shea's done a really good job with him. And, you know, each week is a, is a new week for him. And this will be his third week starting against a, a very good defense. And he's just going to have to do his job. Let's go to the other side of the ledger here on the defensive <laughs> side going against this Patriots offense. Um, you know, They've had issues at quarterback, and, and Jones has been benched, and Zappi's come in, and then, you know, they've, they've done a lot of different things. Is there a tremendous difference as you've studied them on tape between the two quarterbacks, or are there a lot of similarities that make having to prepare for two quarterbacks maybe a little bit more streamlined? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the tape that's out there available, and I include Will Greer in that as well. Um, you know, he had a couple games. He started at Carolina back in 19 against the Colts and the – uh, Saints, Zappi played a couple games last year. They ended up winning both of them, and then he also was in the the game after Hoyer went out, um, and then he's in the game this year. You know, a few times when when Mac got pulled, um, and Mac, there's a, a ton of tape on them. So you look at the, you look at their physical skill set and things they do well, and plays necessarily routes that they like to throw. But again, when it goes back to the offensive scheme of things, they're a game plan offense. So again, each week it changes a little bit. Uh, nothing's consistent. This is not a team that says we're just going to do what we do and plug pieces in. They're going to try to, you know, game plan uh, the things they need to do to be successful for that game. So that's that's always important when you play this team. Uh, Stevenson um, has the lead in as far as carries are concerned. He ripped off a 64-yarder a couple weeks ago, and, and it looks like Elliott has gotten a little bit more involved. Um, when you look at their run game, what are some of the things that will be a challenge for you guys defensively? Yeah, they're they're good at double teaming up front, and their backs are good at at reading off those double teams, getting the ball downhill into the defensive, uh, into the teeth of the defense, and they're hard to tackle. You know, they're bigger backs, but they got some speed, um, and they're tough. They they run really well. Uh, they're not looking to you know get away from contact, and then they do a good job of of giving you some stuff on the outside, whether that's you know perimeter toss cracks, jet sweeps. Include the screen game in there as well. They're a big screen team. Um, so they, they use, you know, the backs a, a variety of ways. Um, and, you know, Zeke is obviously, you know, well-respected in this league, been very, very successful. And, and Stevenson is a, a heck of a, a good young back. So um, they use them in a variety of ways. I'd say downhill runs, double teams, toss cracks, and screens are, are three of the main ways they use them. And final question, Coach. Um, you spent a long time within that organization, and you kind of cut your teeth as a young coach with the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick. Just share with our audience what that experience was like for you um, and, and you know, your, your remembrances of, of being there as a young guy and, and, and getting your opportunity. Sure. Yeah, very grateful for the opportunity that Bill uh, gave me and, and really got to learn, um, you know, football, NFL football um, in that organization 
from Coach Belichick, from Dante Scarnecchia, Charlie Weiss, Ivan Fears, Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Rob Ryan, Brad Seeley. Uh, it was just a, you know, a very veteran group of, of coaches um, head by up by, by Coach Belichick. And um, it was really invaluable for, for me as a young coach. Um, I was just getting started out. Coach, we want to wish you the best of luck. I know uh, it's been a grind with, you know, the tough schedule and, and the travel and everything else and the bye coming as late as it's come. But uh, I know you want to get, get to that bye with a victory under your belt and pick up yet another one. Well, we wish you the best of luck on Sunday, and, uh, you know, we'll do it again in two weeks when the packs come to town. Thanks, Pop. We thank Coach and Bob, Lance and Mike, Paul and Nick for being the backbone of the Friday edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Go to the Giants app or go to Giants.com slash podcast to find all of our podcasts. Of course, Big Blue Kickoff Live is our live show every weekday at 1230. Uh, that's also on podcast platforms. The archive gets put up there. We take your calls every week on that show. We have our brand new podcast, The Giants Hangout. And then, of course, if you like the draft, I know we're getting towards draft season here as college football begins to wrap up its rivalry weekend this weekend. Go check out draft season, our draft podcast. Tony Pauline and I uh, really get in-depth on the draft each week. Uh, Tony's encyclopedic with his knowledge of these draft prospects. He does a really, really nice job. Make sure you go check that out. And, of course, the John Siddle Podcast is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. For everyone, I am John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time, everybody. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.